0: Hey guys, I'm Eric McLean.
1: And I'm Kelly Gramlich. It's time to talk some ACC sports. Let's go. Happy Thursday, everyone, and welcome into the Gramlich and McLean podcast. We continue our preview series We're doing two teams in each of these episodes leading up to game week, and we're doing this by somewhat predicted order of finish, uh, a little more max predicted order of finish. I think I had FSU a little higher than Mac, but he's probably going to be right. I think sometimes (laughs) I fall into that trap, and we'll talk about this, Mac. You fall into that trap of saying, oh, FSU, you got to at least put them fourth in the Atlantic or whatever, and sometimes that's just because of the name brand. So. Talking about FSU is going to be fun today. Mac, how are you? What's going on, my friend?
0: I am great. I'm excited to talk a little bit more college football. And, you know, it's funny, in this order of, you know, kind of predicted finish, it's almost like Atlantic Coastal, Atlantic yeah. Coastal. So it is nice how it worked out for us uh, to really be able to hit both sides of the conference, both divisions with each team. But, yeah, I'm excited to to continue and jump into Florida State and uh, Georgia Tech today. Two teams that, like you said, really need to... Uh, to kind of bounce back, and Georgia Tech needs to keep growing and, mm-hmm. and continue to uh, to develop.
1: For sure. Okay. Well, let's dive into Florida State here. Head coach Mike Norvell's second season at FSU. First season was an experience for him in a lot of ways. Three and six last year. Two and six in the ACC. Their three wins were over Jacksonville State, North Carolina, and Duke. What a an odd combination of wins. <laughs> No preseason All-ACC players, which, is that the first time ever? I might have to look that up. When's the last time Florida State didn't have a single preseason All-ACC player and picked fourth in the Atlantic? Let's start there, Mac. Picked fourth. Is that too high?
0: Very. Way too high. Way too high. Okay, why? It's the name. It's the oh, it's Florida State. It ain't Florida State, people. It's not the Florida State that you're used to. And I I think the only possible way that they finish even close to that is if Mackenzie Milton just balls out and then has a crazy year. If not, there's no shot at four. But, hey, crazier things have happened. I just don't know if this is the year. There's so many great quarterbacks. There's so many talented players in the Atlantic specifically I just don't know if this is the year. But going back to your comment about the, you know, no players on the ACC list at all, mm-hmm. I don't know when the last time that's happened. And when the last time, have you looked at Florida State's skill offensively and defensively and just been like, eh, not great. Right? Actually, nobody. No dudes. Maybe, you know, Joshua Corbin, but not top five, not maybe even top ten. So it's very interesting, Kelly. It's going to be an interesting team to see what who runs out there. Uh, and, and if they've progressed at all, or if is it more of the same?
1: Right. And at least last year, I'm fairly confident Marvin Wilson was a first-team guy, and perhaps to Marion Terry preseason. But most of the time, you can look at Florida State's defense, and you can say, all right, there's a dude. Right. Whether it's a corner, uh, whether it's a safety, like a Derwin James, a Jalen Ramsey, whatever, or it's someone on the D-line, that's what kind of stands out to me. And I know, and we're, we'll get to defense, but one thing FSU has done is they're really trying to build through the transfer portal, at least for now. And I think that's smart. Right now, when your recruiting ability is not at its highest, even though they're recruiting decently well, let's go to the portal just to get us through kind of a stopgap, and then we'll start bringing in more and more blue chips. Do you like that strategy? Because a lot of these defensive guys are transfer portal, as well as, of course, Mackenzie Milton.
0: I, I don't like it from just a personal standpoint, but situationally... I think it's almost what you have to do because you were so young. I mean, we heard Coach Norvell say about 10,000 times at Media Day, we were the youngest team in the country last year. We were so young. And uh, so they had to go to the portal to grow up quickly. And you get a really old guy in McKenzie Milton, uh, Jermaine Johnson, Juco prospect. He was number one Juco prospect in 2019. Uh, Spent some time at Georgia. I think he's going to really help them, you know, kind of on the edge. He looked great at Media Day um and so i I think that a couple of those guys you get some o-line in there as well so i think it makes sense kelly i personally again don't like it wouldn't want you know my team to have to be built around that but in this situation i think you really really need it and hopefully it works out ton of guys have transferred again if you guys have watched the huddle at all recently we've kind of laid it all out there for who's coming in for florida state but i will tell you one guy kelly that when I'm looking at the roster, I'm looking at this team that you know Florida State has recruited and, and kind of built. Mari Gaynor, linebacker, is one of those guys. And I think he can be an absolute dude. Now, I think linebacker is too deep for him to crack the first team, but maybe second or third. Um, because again, six foot three, 230 pounds, he's that type of old school, you know, just bad dude that rolls his shirt up, lets his abs hang out. Uh, he, he's one of those guys. And so I think that he has the ability to really you know, flourish and be a leader for this team. But again, you've got to go out and do it on the field.
1: Let's start on the offensive side. Let's start with quarterback. FSU has two. Jordan Travis, McKenzie Milton. McKenzie Milton is a guy who sustained a brutal injury. It's amazing that he's even still playing. He's a veteran. Jordan Travis, sophomore, showed some great spurts last year. Much more of a dual threat. And you know, I think you have a unique perspective on this Mac, especially your twenty fourteen season at Clemson, Deshaun Watson, Cole Stout. You had two quarterbacks. It was a battle going on forever and ever. And from the O line perspective, that has to be kind of tough. So what do you expect to to see with this battle at FSU?
0: Yeah, well, I, I want to start with saying this. You mentioned that they have two quarterbacks. I'm not gonna say who it was. I will tell you it might have been in the coastal division, but somebody said if you bring two quarterbacks, you don't have one. Someone yeah. said that at ACC Media. Yeah. I'm not going to tell you who it was. But that was an interesting Ooh. thing to think about. Uh, and, and, you know, I I think they will use both. I think, again, if, if McKenzie is healthy, if he is, again, a sliver of himself, he's the guy. And it shouldn't really be a question at all. He's a complete passer, really can do it all at quarterback. We'll see what his mobility looks like since that very gruesome injury. Thank goodness he has recovered to where he is. I mean, there was a point where you know, we thought he might lose his leg. And now he's able to walk, run, play football. Uh, That's a tremendous accomplishment for him alone. Um, So I think, again, if he's healthy, he's the guy. But Jordan Travis is too special of an athlete just to be standing on the sideline. So whether it's packages, whether it's designed, you know, plays here and there or series even, where it's like, okay, the third, the sixth, the 12th series of every game, He's going in, and he's just going to be this kind of wild card factor that defensive coordinators have to prepare for. I think that would be smart. The one thing I wouldn't like, Kelly, is kind of what you alluded to, is every two series we're going to switch and we don't know who's our guy. Because you have no consistency, you have no ownership, you have no control, and it's like, okay, who's who's in this series? I, I don't know. Who am I blocking for? Do I have to <laughs> you know, hold up a little bit longer if I'm an offensive lineman and maybe get... You know, caught with a holding because we have a less mobile guy in there? Or do we have a guy like Jordan Travis who I just need to block for two seconds and I know he's good? So it, it really can change a lot, especially from an offensive line. And, and again, just the rhythm of the game. You, you are not going to call the same plays for McKenzie that you would call for Jordan and vice versa. They just can do two different, very different things. And so it'll be interesting to see. I've been very clear on this since I've been on TV. I hate it. We've seen it at Virginia Tech. We've seen it at a couple of different schools, to be honest, and uh, we'll see. It'll be an interesting kind of thing there to see what happens at quarterback.
1: So it is a really tough challenge for the O-line is what you're telling me.
0: Yeah, it's just not fun. I mean, at the end of the day, you're playing football. You're doing your assignment, worry about yourself. But like I said, there's just – you can block differently for different guys.
1: Right. Makes sense. It makes sense. I think that's going to be a fascinating storyline. And even if McKenzie Milton wins the job, I feel like you can use Jordan Travis – in different ways, whether it is a wildcat package, whether you line him up as as a wideout and make people think and you just don't know how you're going to use him, I think you can be really creative with that. And so I hope that because, like you said, Jordan Travis is a spectacular athlete. you got to use him That's in right. some way. No doubt. Now, speaking of the athletes on this roster, two really good wide receiver, or sorry, not wide receiver. Wide receiver is a question. <laughs> um, two very solid running backs in terms of potential we haven't seen too much from them. Joshua Corbin a 401 yards last year. And then Lawrence Toafili, who averaged 9.6 yards per carry last year, but only 37 attempts was injured. So you have two really good prospects. Um, Which one do you expect to really be the guy, Mac?
0: Yeah, I I think Corbin is going to be the guy. I think Toafili could still break out. I think he still should, again, get the uh, you, you know some more carries he had 10 carries of 10 plus yards a year ago and only 37 carries so you see that's why that number is so high so a very small sample size but a very electric player I, I think if you could have kind of Joshua Lawrence and Jordan Travis kind of that three-headed monster running attack that could be something that's really exciting you know with the question mark that you have at wide receiver do you turn into more of a ground and pound type team that's obviously probably better for your offensive line. Those guys haven't been great at going backwards in years past. And uh, just put a hat on somebody and pick somebody up. Uh, so I think when you see that, it could be a bright spot. But again, this Memphis-style offense that uh, Coach is bringing over is is big-time plays, big plays through the passing yard, but also explosive run play. So it seems like they have a piece of that. Will the wide receivers, will the quarterbacks be able to step up and really you know, just deliver?
1: Well, and that's the concern for Florida State in my mind is, and we talked about this last episode or the episode before, the wide receiver uh, group in this league is deep. There are a lot of really talented wide receivers, but none of them, at least none of them that we really are looking at right now, play for Florida State. So I think that can be, is going to be an issue for them. We know Scary Terry is gone. Do you have anyone that stands out to you that you feel like can step up for them at wide receiver?
0: You know, I think when you look at the the position and you look at some of the young guys that are there, it's it's just more of getting over the hump. Can can they take this next step? And and there's I'm looking at the depth chart now. There's three, four, five freshmen that are listed on this, whether red shirts or true freshmen. Can they take that next step? And and can they be ready for prime time? I'm sure a bunch of these guys were four stars. Uh, Malik McLean, so namesake there a little bit. Uh, He's a guy that people are really, really excited about. Big, tall, wide receiver, going to be able to get out in space and and make a difference for them. But at the end of the day, I'm also looking at this list and I don't really know any of these guys by name. I don't know them when I see and I read, I'm like, oh oh, yeah, that guy can do this, that, and the other. It's just kind of question marks. And so I think that's the biggest thing. And honestly, it's the most shocking thing, Kelly, is because we're so used to the skill players dominating Florida State. And, And just... I mean, the state of Florida, close your eyes and point, you're going to find somebody. And it's just for whatever reason, you know, we're just not quite there yet with this team.
1: I think Florida State as a program needs to earn some of that trust back with recruits. And, and that's why you're going through the transfer portal. If you can make a bowl this year, if you can continue to move forward, then you can probably bring in some bigger names. Mac, I want to get your reaction to the stat before we talk a little defense. Just your initial reaction here, because this is so bad. Last year, Florida State averaged 8.4 yards to go on third down, 123rd nationally. How do, How does that even happen?
0: Sacks. A lot of sacks. That Going makes backwards. sense. <laughs> Going <laughs> backwards and not being able to move the line of scrimmage, not being able to protect your quarterback. I mean, that has been a problem for FSU since... I mean, 2016, 17, probably. I mean, they they just.
1: Francois almost died.
0: Right. Against against, Alabama. Literally almost died. It's just something that has been a huge deal and they have not been able to figure out. And then you're putting yourself in a worse situation by dealing with third and long every third down. What are you going to do? You're going to run the ball? No, you've got to pass. So now everybody knows. And that's why your conversion rate is so bad. That's why you can't score points, can't move the ball, can't sustain drives. And inadvertently, that hurts your defense extremely so.
1: Yep. Okay. Well, let's talk some defense here. Florida State gave up 36 points per game last year, 456 yards per game. Uh, that's not great, Mac. We, we've hit on some of these guys. They're really trying to build that defense right now through the transfer portal. You talked about Jermaine Johnson, uh, Keir Thomas from South Carolina. They're bringing him in. Jarquez Mc- McLellian, I think is how you say it, Brandon Moore. A lot of transfer portal guys. This defense, I feel like, you know, it can't get much worse when you look at what they gave up last year. So will this defense be improved?
0: I think maybe. Again, with all these <laughs> transfers, you, you would think that these guys are, are ready to go and, and look the part and, and guys that you know have played in the SEC and are ready for this caliber of, of uh, play here. But this is going to be a high-powered season, especially in the Atlantic, when it comes to wide receiver play quarterback play, running back. So offenses are going to be juiced up that they're going to see each and every week. And again, just looking at their schedule, I mean, they're playing uh Notre Dame to open the season. Not sure what Notre Dame's going to look like, but that's going to be I think Sunday night football. Everyone's going to be paying attention. Jacksonville State is a great explosive team. I know they're in the FCS, but those guys are going to be hungry and ready to go. And then they play Wake Forest, who I think might be either first or second in regards to scoring points this year. They averaged 35 maybe a year ago. I think they're going to be aiming for that 36 mark. Louisville, explosive offense. North Carolina, explosive offense. Clemson, NC State, Miami, Boston College, Florida. I mean, it does not – this is a tough schedule. It's a very tough schedule. And so you look offensively just what you're going to be – or excuse me, defensively, what you're going to be going against, it's not going to be easy. And so that 36 points per game – it might go up, Kelly. It might go up.
1: Well, I think the theme of doing Florida State and Georgia Tech together today uh, is two brutal schedules for both of these programs. So let's talk about FSU schedule and their win total. Their win total is at 5.5. That's pretty high. And I just wrote down the games to me, Mac, that are winnable, okay? Jacksonville State, Wake Forest, Louisville, Syracuse, UMass, that's 5.0. And then maybe NC State or Miami. Basically, you've got to win those five. You have to beat Jacksonville State, Wake, Louisville, Syracuse, UMass, and then you got to find one somewhere else. So, how are you feeling about this five and a half?
0: When when you say winnable, is that you expect them to win, or you think no? Yeah, they've got a shot. Winnable. Okay, they've got a shot. They've got a chance. Yeah. Okay, because I don't think I don't. I think Wake Forest should be a little lower than that. I, I think. I think, I think it's winnable. Gonna, yeah, I, I see but, your definition. I and see I'm not guaranteeing.
1: Definition. The only guaranteed wins I see are Jacksonville State, UMass, Syracuse. Yeah,
0: I totally right? agree with that. Totally agree. And so I think five and a half might be a little high. So we've kind of been hitting you guys with where to lean on these type of things. I might go ahead and guarantee hit the under, guys. I, I just think that that's going to be the case. I think five is kind of the max and, and where you're going to be uh, – kind of looking this year, which is crazy to say. And, and you know, I want to. I do want to be a little positive on Florida State because I think this recruiting class that they have right now, we talked to Tom Luganbill. He is extremely impressed with them. And from a character perspective, from just a, a type of player that they're getting, and then, of course, the stars are, are aligning as well, and it's one of the best classes they've had in quite some time. So I think that there is kind of change coming. It's just going to take a while. And is Florida State patient enough to wait? we'll find out.
1: It's going to take time. Five, Vegas knows what they're doing, putting this at five and a half.
0: Yeah, smart. It's smart. If it
1: was, if it was four and a half, I think you'd have to take the over. Yep. But just looking at five and a half, I probably wouldn't touch this number. But if I had to make a play, I think I would go under. <laughs> and you know, we, we, I've talked with EJ Manuel about this. I know you have talked with EJ a lot. His main thing for FSU this year is can they get back to a bowl? That's, that would be a big step in the right direction. And the problem is this schedule is just not forgiving. So, And I think I know my answer from the win total, Mac, but when it's all said and done, will Florida State be bowling?
0: I don't think so. I think the schedule okay. is too tough. I think that it's something that if it goes bad quickly, I mean, if you struggle with Jacksonville State, if you lose to Notre Dame and Wake Forest and you're starting the season one and two, it's going to be a lot of guys jumping off the ship saying, what the heck are we doing?
1: Yeah, that that start, that September is huge. You've got to find a way to at least, at least win two of those games.
0: At I least. Agree.
1: And that's Jacksonville State and then Wake or Louisville. But also with Notre Dame, if you, if you shock Notre Dame, you're playing them at home, get a lot of fans in there, then I think that can give your team a ton of confidence moving forward.
0: Yeah, and, and I think Notre Dame is a wild card. You know, they have pieces left over, but quarterback play, lost pretty much the entire offensive line, a ton of playmakers on the defense. Kyle Hamilton is still there, who I think is the best safety in the country, but it's going to be a big question mark game. So, I mean, you're talking about if you get that win, I mean, that's, that's changing your momentum, that's changing your outlook on the season. So it's a good thing, it's a bad thing that they have such a tough schedule early on and, and it, never, it doesn't really stop.
1: All right, let's transition to Georgia Tech on the coastal side. Georgia Tech head coach Jeff Collins, third season at Georgia Tech. I can't believe it's his third season. That's crazy. I feel like he just got there. Last year, three and seven, three and six in the ACC. Wins over Florida State, Louisville, and Duke. You look back and you think, wow, they they did beat Louisville. They did beat Florida State. They really fell off towards the end of the season. Jameer Gibbs, first team all-purpose back and first team returner, and Georgia Tech picks sixth in the Coastal. We know Jameer Gibbs is a real bright spot, Mac. People are very high on him. Was six in the Coastal about where you had them? That's where I had them at sixth.
0: Yeah, it was. Six, six is right there. And, and again, I think that there's some real growth that could happen this year. And, and it's hard to you know look at this without seeing it and, and project anything higher. Um, you know, I, I think the offensive line is really the last step for this team. I think the defense is going to be much better. I just think that you you have to be able to compete on the lines of scrimmage and and this is this is the largest overhaul Kelly of modern day football. I mean, probably since back when Nebraska changed from the power I to uh which that happened in the early 2000s, I believe, maybe mid 2000s, and now Georgia Tech going to the the full spread from the triple option. I mean, it doesn't happen overnight, guys. It, it is a very tough thing. Personnel wise, I mean, th- when they walked into the room uh, and, and they saw their team, they had zero tight ends on the roster. They had like five wide receivers. And, and so it's just something that they had to do a, a total makeover, and it takes time. And it's something that, you know, I think they've done a tremendous job in the recruiting transfer portal, getting people who can contribute right away and really help this team. But Offensive line is the last step, and, and you have to have guys that can go forward, can go backward, can go side to side, and before it was just straight, just run, just go and get in the way, cut people, mm-hmm. and you've got to be able to change that. And now year three, you at least expect to see some noticeable difference, and they have one of the best offensive line coaches in the country, Brett Key. He was in Alabama for a multiple uh, years there, won a national championship or two. Again, best of the best, won the Joe Moore Award, I believe, while he was there, which is the best offensive line in the country. And he's at Georgia Tech. He, he knows what it takes. And being able to speak with him, and he's excited about the progression that his guys are making. They're getting bigger, faster, stronger. And so that's what I'm really excited to see. But Jameer Gibbs, I mean, my goodness. I, I think, honestly, this running back room with him and Jordan Mason, and maybe even some others that we don't know yet, put them against anybody in the country. And, and Jameer, I think the only reason, Kelly, it might be a little bit head-scratching that he was the all-purpose back I think the reason people did that is because when you were voting, there weren't any other running backs that were at the all-purpose but him, and it was some other, you know, just yeah. people, some other personnel. So he's the number one back in the ACC. Let's not get it confused at all.
1: All right, number one back. So you'd put him over Mateo Durant, Zonovan Knight, any of those guys.
0: No question. I mean, okay. could you imagine like him it. with Boston College's line or, or right. Virginia Tech? I mean, Clemson. he would dominate or Clemson. He would kill people.
1: So let's talk about that backfield then, Jameer Gibbs and Jeff Sims. Jeff Sims is a really interesting quarterback to me because he's dynamic, he's athletic, but he didn't have a 300-yard passing game last year. And like you said, look, these wide receivers, even though Jalen Camp was drafted, a lot of the guys who are at Georgia Tech, they were recruited to play in the triple option, which means they weren't really probably five stars, right? Or even four stars because you're just not going to get a lot of action there at Georgia Tech. So can Jeff Sims take that next step as a passer? Like, what do you need to see from him?
0: Yeah, really, the the thing you want to see from a year one starter to year two starter is just being more comfortable and understanding the offense better. I mean, there were definitely times where he was shining so bright and, and thinking, man, this guy is going to be a superstar. But more often than not, it was confusion. It was turnovers. It was being sloppy with the ball. And, and that's that's okay with young players. And I know you know, if you're a fan, you don't ever want to hear that. And you don't want to ever say it's okay for your quarterback to turn it over. But I mean, this guy is so young and he's doing it all by himself, him and Jameer Gibbs. I mean, it's pretty much the two of them just coaches saying, Hey, figure it out, man, go play backyard football. And so now I think just talking with Jeff at ACC media day, it seems that he's been super locked in. He's been in the film room. He understands this offense to a T and just seems to be really excited you know about the growth of of his team, and I think that's what I expect to see from him. I, I think you know to be able to see him go through his reads a lot quicker, to not go from one to one and a half and run. You know, I want to see him go one, two, three, check down every time, and, and I think that's where he can get. I think having a guy as special as Jameer Gibbs in the backfield with him will certainly help. Just knowing, hey, I've got this outlet, I've got this guy. I'm looking downfield. I look long. I look medium. I look short, not open boom, I'm checking it out in the flats to my guy and he can pick up huge yards. I mean, if you just get him the rock, kind of like Travis Etienne, uh, Alvin Kamara, just get him the ball and and he can work with it. So that's what I really expect to see um, from him. And again, I'm looking at kind of his PFF grade here. There's a lot of below average all across the field. I mean, the, the again, I told you kind of the fades is a really easy place for a quarterback to start. He's good there, but then everywhere else, it's it's a little bit spotty. So just expect to see him step up, get better, which normally happens from a year one to year two guy, and uh, you know I think that he can really have a big impact for this team.
1: We're going to talk schedule later on, but I think it benefits Sims that they have Northern Illinois, then Kennesaw State. So you have two games where you feel like you can get comfortable, you can really work on going through your progressions, and, and just just getting more confidence as they get ready for Clemson week (laughs) three.
0: That's right. And if you guys remember a couple of weeks ago, maybe almost a month ago now, we kind of did a this or that. Would you rather start off with a top 10 team, a top five team, or a cupcake? I think it's situational. Because for this team, again, we're growing, we're getting better, we're learning. I want to start off with some cupcakes. I don't want to start off with a number one team in the country, number two team in the country. And that's what they get. So like you said, I think that'll be very beneficial for them, Kelly.
1: They're going to have those two games and then they'll have Clemson, UNC back to back. So maybe two top 10 teams back
0: to back. And Pitt. And so then Pitt. you're looking at really tough defenses, tough. really tough it's offenses. Tough.
1: Both of these teams are rebuilding. <laughs> Good but luck. Both of these teams are not really getting any gifts from the schedule. When we talk about the defense, it's very similar to FSU transfer portal. They're trying to get some new blood in there. We were able to talk with Wanye Thomas at ACC kickoff. He was excellent. He, he had a lot of praise for Jeff Collins. But he said that mainly, you know, last year they weren't able to create as many turnovers as they wanted to. Mac, I feel like we hear this sometimes with a defense that has struggled. We heard it with OU for a couple years. We're going to really focus on creating turnovers. Sometimes I feel like that's kind of a cop-out answer instead of we're just going to get better, right? Am I wrong on that or no?
0: Well, I can tell you this. If you're not good at stopping people... You can be really good at trying to knock the ball out, trying to take the ball away. Right? Yeah, so I guess so. if you can't stop them, take it away. <laughs> Try to find – and you can put emphasis <laughs> on that. I mean, I remember a couple of years ago – not a couple, a long time now. We're getting old, Kelly. Um, oh, I think no. it was like 2013 maybe. Clemson started – <laughs> so long ago, seven, eight years ago. Um, Clemson started installing for the defensive guys kind of this big metal kind of frame and then a football – on this like spring like stick thing. And so they had to hit it, punch it as hard as they can as they went in and out of every single meeting. So there was this huge emphasis put on we got to get the ball. We got to get the ball. We got to get the ball. And you know, Clemson's defense was already pretty stout at that time, but I think it helped take them to another level. So that's what you're going to see I think from from these defenses that are really putting emphasis on that. And I, and again, when you look at this Georgia Tech defense, They gave up so many points last year. I think that was a big Achilles heel. Their offense just could not keep up with the amount of points that their defense was giving up. But, again, you've got Trey Swilling. You've got Thomas. You've got Carpenter. uh, You've got Wesley Walker at corner. They should have a really good secondary. And and guys that have been there, done that, played a ton of snaps. You get some big-time transfers in. You expect them to be able to play right away. Uh, A guy from Maryland that was already a media day, uh, that that they are super excited about and think can be an automatic, instant kind of uh, help there. So it's going to be interesting to see this Georgia Tech defense, which that's what Jeff Collins does. He's a defensive guy. He's a defensive mastermind. You've just got to think that that's now going to catch up with what we've kind of seen from the offense.
1: Right. And if the secondary is the strength of your defense, then I can very much understand trying to force turnovers. And we talked to Allende Ely, who's the Maryland transfer at Media Day, he was great. He's a fifth-year guy. They're trying to bring in, again, kind of like Florida State, bring in some veterans, bring in guys who have been there before so that you can get a little stopgap before you can really increase your recruiting.
0: And the really good thing about that secondary, as you just said, and being able to to take it away and have a very talented, experienced, uh, been there, done that defense... You're playing Clemson, average the most passing yards in the conference. North Carolina, probably going to be able to do that this year. Pitt, going to throw the ball a ton. Virginia, going to throw the ball a ton. Miami, Boston College. They are playing very pass-heavy yeah, yeah. teams, and that should, you know, hopefully play, uh, you know, kind of into your defensive backfield there.
1: One would think. One would think. Let's talk special teams for a second with Georgia Tech because, A, they lose Presley Harvin third, which he's irreplaceable.
0: Baller. The most beautiful punter I have ever seen. Yeah, the Ray Guy Award winner. He's so thick with three. He's going to be tough
1: to replace. And then one thing that stood out to me, Mac. I remember my um, high school's football team. We'd go to all the games. I feel like we never kicked field goals, and I realize it's because most high schools don't have like just a good kicker.
0: It's because you scored a billion points a game, guys. (laughs) Kelly went to Texas football. Excuse me, Texas in high school and played football there. It's another I didn't world. Play so I, I get it, Kelly. <laughs> you're, you're awesome.
1: We, um, our team did win the league our senior year, and they beat Westlake, which is there where Sam Ellinger went, and all those. Guys.
0: Westlake, wow, yeah, How about no big that? deal.
1: Whatever, go Trojans. Anyway, um, <laughs> they Georgia Tech attempted eight field goals in ten games last year. That is a high school team. That is a high school team that just doesn't have a kicker. That that has to get better, right? You'd think.
0: I mean, you would think, or you're just scoring touchdowns, which that, that wasn't, wasn't the case. case. Um, I, I think <laughs> you've got to figure that out because kickers are weapons. And, you know, I'm not going to sit here and say nobody likes them, but <laughs> they're a big piece of the game. And, you know what, can I do a little shout-out, Kelly? A week ago, I'm on Twitter. I'm, you know, posting all this great stuff. I'm saying, okay, this is my last rankings for the season. And and Heather James on Twitter just Heather, 321, says, wrapping it up, did I miss you rank special teams? And so I'm just dying laughing, looking at this. I'm like, lady, come on. Nobody cares about special teams. <laughs> but she is like, she is the gal who is gonna fight for special teams no matter what. So I quoted it and said, Hey, look, if this gets if a hundred people like this, I'll do the top five kickers, top five punters, top five lawn snappers. It's at 270 likes. I mean, people, it was at 100 in like 10 minutes. And so- I retweeted it. Here we, thank you. Thank you for spreading the love. (laughs) So we will talk about the top five kickers at this point. I've I've already posted and It's got a a lot of love there, but Georgia Tech, not on the list.
1: Not on the list. I, the long snappers has to be tough.
0: You know what? Can I give you a little secret? I don't know why you
1: even offered up long snappers. You could have just done kickers and punters.
0: I should have just said that, but I went to the GOAT. Do you know who the goat of long snapping is? No. The legend of long snappers is the Chris Rubio. He's like the guy. He knows everything. You've got to check him out. So I hit him up. I said, listen, Chris, I don't know anything about long snappers. Please help me. (laughs) He responds back in two seconds, consider it done, sends me his top 10, and then I just pick and choose from it. So it was great. He uh, he did the work for me, but that's why I credited him. I, I added him on Twitter and said, hey, thank you for your help.
1: Okay, well, good. We appreciate that. I'm sure the long snappers and, and their, their moms appreciate that on Twitter.
0: <laughs> That's right.
1: <laughs> I feel, do we know if Heather is the mom of a specialist? She might be.
0: There is a specialist in her picture. I don't know if she's a mom or if she works for a particular school. I'm not sure. But uh, special teams gets all of her love.
1: A specialist advocate. Okay, let's talk about the win, um, the win total here for Georgia Tech. Five. 5.0. 5.
0: Under, for Georgia Tech. that's all I got to say. Don't even, you know, we don't even have to go through it. Under, oh, no. big time.
1: Okay, all right, hold on. Winnable games. Northern Illinois, Kennesaw State, all right? Duke. <laughs> Duke.
0: <laughs> and Pitt? that's it.
1: No, Pick. Maybe? No. At home?
0: No, no shot, no. I, I think they Not win happening. three games. I'll tell you what, though. If the offensive line is considerably better, which I don't know if they're there yet, I think year four is really when we'll see that. They'll have a chance, and again, we don't know what Notre Dame looks like. they're all over these schedules yeah. and I just it's hard to say, but I'm going three kelly i'm I'm almost guaranteeing you can go under here for five
1: okay I, yeah, I think the under is definitely the play I mean the schedule's tough
0: and listen, I love Georgia Tech guys. I really do I, I'm a big time Georgia Tech fan. I think what they're doing is unbelievable, but you're just not there yet and so right. don't hate Patience. me it's just Patience. a fact I'm sorry okay,
1: my last question with Georgia Tech, and we'll wrap it up. Where would you rank the Sims-Gibbs backfield in the ACC?
0: Ooh, that's tough because Gibbs is, I've already said this, Gibbs is my number one running back in the conference. Sims is not in my top 10. And so I think he, he's just, he's too inconsistent for me to, to deserve that top 10. I think he can get there. I mean, he's a tremendous athlete. There's no question. And I think he's going to grow into a really good quarterback this year. So if I'm projecting, maybe it's a little higher. But if it's today, if I'm ranking it right now today, it's probably at like six, which is crazy. But I think Sims is pulling it back a little bit.
1: But see, six is pretty high for a team that we're we're taking under the five. So keep that in mind. But yes, the plays, I think with Syracuse and Duke, we had one over, one under. With Georgia Tech and Florida State, we're both saying to take the under with both of these yeah. teams.
0: Yeah. Hey, these are locks, guys. Just give us 10% of your winnings. We'll be happy. You'll be happy. It works out.
1: You can find us on Twitter. No problem.
0: <laughs> <laughs> guys, well, this was so much fun. Again, just running through these teams. We're, we're trying to give you, we're not trying, we will give you guys a, a full breakdown of every single team in this conference. It's pretty much going to run through the month of August, get you excited and jacked up for each and every game, each and every team. And uh, the only way that we can do that is because of our great producer, Richmond Weaver. Do yourself a favor, go check out his podcast, Rich Take On Sports. He just celebrated his 150th episode, which is an amazing accomplishment. But I got to say, Rich, we're coming. We're going to catch up with you, (laughs) big dog. And uh, it's a great podcast. You guys will love it. There's any story, any sport type story that you can think of, of just challenging life. He's got it. He's interviewed so many great people. That's rich take on sports. But that's it, guys. Another great episode of Gramlick and Lane. We always appreciate you guys listening. If you haven't already, go over to iTunes, subscribe to our podcast, drop us a little five-star rating, write us a review. It's always fun to hear from you guys. But until next time, we'll see y'all.